0: This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Kelly Leach, who is uh, a conservative running for the uh, federal conservative leadership with Kevin O'Leary and Lisa Raid and the rest of them. Uh, She has, uh, of course, been somewhat of a a controversial figure in the in the conservative party, as as she seems to be uh, a little bit more right than the rest of them. uh, Talking about things like uh, value test for uh, for immigrants when they come in, this sort of thing. And uh, on the uh, on the cusp of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau announcing his his his. Uh, pot legislation that's going to come forward any time now kelly leach says that uh, it's a dangerous drug and she will undo vows to undo any liberal plan to legalize it if uh, she becomes leader and then of course uh, eventually prime minister of the country to talk more about all of this cristo Avalis is with us queens university labor and political history professor and with us now hello cristo how are you today Good, good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kelly Leach, taking this stand?
1: You know, I think, it, 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 I, think, I think it's genuine from her, but I think it also fits a certain political narrative. I think on the one hand, you, you do have some conservatives like Maxime Bernier who are at least, you know, cautiously supportive of marijuana legalization. And so out of the kind of main candidates right now, Kelly Leach is the kind of definitive social conservative. And so, you know, she might be looking at this as a way to, you know, bring in all those other people who maybe don't support her now and maybe support somebody like Brad Trost, who's, you know, running a bit further behind the pack, might, you know, rally around her for this piece of um, of of policy. And I think it brings a certain credibility whether or not she's using this uh, in her decision-making. Uh, her position as a medical doctor, I think, gives her a... A certain clout in this as well, speaking from a kind of professional perspective.
0: So, uh, this is probably a no-brainer for her camp in the sense that if you're going to go after the social rights, this is just you know, when you look at the value test and that sort of thing, this is this just falls in line with all of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think generally, at least, I think you know when you're looking at you know social conservatism, you have you know in it, it, to a certain degree, you have religious values, whether that's you know. Uh, positions on things like sex education or what have you. We've seen that in Ontario, but you also have things on on drug use and and, and, and things like that. And if she's able to kind of say, look, I'm the conservative standing up for, you know, not just, you know, economic freedom and small taxes and and small government, like you might see from Maxine Bernier or to a certain degree from Kevin O'Leary, but I'm also going to defend, and as she's made it this, I'm going to defend Canadian values. And if her you know, she can cast you know marijuana as a marijuana legalization as a departure from Canadian values, then she can be quite successful.
0: Uh, she uh, is quoted as saying, "I don't think that we should be legalizing this drug. It's a dangerous drug, and I don't want it in the hands of children." Uh, isn't that the idea of the regulation, as far as the prime Minister's concerned, is to keep it out of the hands of children? How do we how do we balance this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, Trudeau's argument is that by legalizing it, you keep it out of the hands of children. I I mean, frankly, I think they're both wrong on this issue. The reality is that, you know, legalization isn't going to make it easier for children to get because, much like alcohol, it's even if it's legal, it's going to be illegal for children. And I don't know if Prime Minister Trudeau understands this, but you know, plenty of children still get cigarettes, and plenty of children still get beer and wine and, and, and rum and, and, and I it, guess there's
0: no way yeah. to measure Christo if they get more under one system or more under the other.
1: Yeah so frankly I think both both sides of that are incorrect on the issue but but the, the politically the argument from Leach, the the image of you know children being hooked on this dangerous drug and you know the idea, again whether or not it's true the idea that you know legalizing marijuana makes it more culturally and socially permissible, and that makes you know access for young people easier. Um, you know that that can sell to a certain demographic that is receptive to Kelly Leach's other kind of major.
0: And she does bring that up. She says that uh, you know we've been telling people for years that no, and now you know oh yeah, go ahead. I mean, is is the, d- does that hold weight?
1: I mean, to a certain degree. I mean. I'm always torn on this. i mean i can I can certainly see why some people would be concerned that you know people would be using a kind of illicit drug that for so long you know has been seen as as dangerous to a large degree of people. Um, but you know we we already have you know various forms of 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 drugs that we use in society, yeah, you know medical and 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 recreational. And, you know, I don't know, for for me personally, if that holds a lot of weight, because Kelly Leach has the credibility, in a sense, to approach this as a scientist, but, you know, she would have to admit that, you know, alcohol is also a very, very dangerous drug in many ways, uh, both in uh, potential short-term effects, but also long-term effects, and it doesn't appear that she's, you know, proposing any increased prohibition on alcohol. So, you know, from that perspective... It doesn't carry uh, weight from from a policy, you know, a kind of right or wrong policy perspective and more from a, you know, what is politically palatable. Because the reality is, is that Kelly Leach's social conservative supporters, I mean, there's teetotalers among them, but a lot of them, frankly, don't see alcohol as a drug or caffeine as a drug, but they do see marijuana as a drug.
0: Uh, she says that if she gets elected and, and then, and of course the prime becomes prime minister, she'll roll this back after implement, implementation, is that possible? Can you go backwards on this?
1: It'll depend. Um, you know, on some, for example, if it's decriminalized, I don't know if you'll be able to go back on that. I think there'd be broader support on that. I think there might be some people who would feel that, you know, maybe I don't want pot, you know, in the convenience store or in the LCBO or what have you. However, you want to market it, or in the grocery store, but you know I don't want my 16-year-old kid getting a criminal record for smoking, a, you know, a little bit of marijuana. So I think that could be a difficult position to kind of fully legalize it again. But again, it also depends on, you know, uh, you know, if she gets into power, how far are we along by 2019? You know, yeah. when when you know if the conservatives form a majority government, let's say in 2019, and they have the ability to do it you know how 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 entrenched is this new model you know what is the marijuana lobby going to be like you know the conservatives have to deal with the reality that you know a lot of these marijuana companies are going to be you know a lot of the traditional big business companies that that curry favor with the liberal and conservative parties and there might be pressure there from these companies to say you know you have to support the free market and you know I, i i don't know if she'll be able to really roll it back if say it's already in stores
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, by 2019, say it's in the LCBO or however it ends up happening. It'll be difficult in that sense.
0: Uh, many have said uh, since this whole uh, leadership campaign started that uh, Kelly Leach kind of represented exa- everything that the Conservative Party was trying to get away from in the last election. Uh, is she holding the Conservatives back, or does she have valid points?
1: I mean, I think on some things... She's kind of a departure. I mean, one of the things that Stephen Harper uh, did, and Stephen Harper's team as well did, was realize that um, the social conservative movement was not just white and rural. It was also multiracial, multi-religious, and, and multi-geographical. You had, of course, you know, the white Christian conservatives from southern Ontario and rural Alberta, but you also had people in the nine hundred five. You had you know, conservatives in, in Quebec, and, and all of these people need to be reached. And in and, and her messaging around uh, entertaining these ideas of Canadian values with, frankly, the identity as perhaps not Christian, but certainly anti-Muslim, um, that holds back the Conservative Party's progress under Stephen Harper. On the other hand, you know on things like portraying these Canadian values of social conservatism and traditionalism i think that can speak to people and frankly i think you know being critical of marijuana and being critical of things of that sort are going to speak to some of those communities you know not just to you know uh, the tr- again not just to white rural conservatives but to you know new immigrant families worried about their children getting wrapped up in drugs i think that in that sense it, it straddles both of those kind of ways
0: how do you think this is going to play during the leadership convention?
1: You know, I think I think she's going to be able to make some hay on it, but I think you know it's going to depend on the demographic. I don't know about the membership. I don't know who signed you up. I think on the one hand, this is going to give her a kind of queer, uh, you know fenced area of like this is a key policy point. But I think it could magnify some of these differences. Or you do have someone like Max Bernier who, who hasn't really come out and said gung-ho like you know like the Emerys might say, like I'm pro pot legalization, but he has said, if done properly, I will support it. And he hasn't denied that he would vote for the legislation currently being you know, put into parliament. And that could be a kind of 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 litmus test, if you will, between the kind of social conservatives and the kind of um, libertarian wings, you know, in the party. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure. I don't know if it'll be the number one issue, but I think it could be one of those, um, those narrative builders,
0: if you know what I mean. What about, uh, and we've only got about a minute left, uh, your thoughts on this race so far? Uh, is there anybody moving out in front, do you think?
1: I mean, right now, I mean, polls have been showing, I think, that you know, people like O'Leary, Bernier, uh, and Leach are, are all kind of the favorites. I would say that they all have a chance of winning. It says right now Kevin O'Leary is the favorite, and that makes a lot of sense because, frankly, he has by far the biggest name recognition of the people in the group, and I think he captures that that the different kind of types of conservatism that people are looking for. I think one of those three has a very good chance of becoming leader, but I also feel like someone like Andrew Shearer or Lisa Raitt, even though maybe it's unlikely, could become a consensus candidate And again, the way this works, of course, is that it's not just one ballot. You have to be able to win support of, you know, 50 percent plus one of the the total votes. And the other wrinkle is, of course, ridings are weighted all equally. So, you know, you have to be able to get support from parts of the countries where there's not a lot of conservative members. But I would say that these three uh, people and, and Leach is one of them, you know, all have a chance of forming leadership. And Leach is the only one of those three or even five that's really taking this pretty strident social conservative
0: stand. Christo Avelisse has been with us, Queen's University Labor and Political History professor. Christo, thank you for the time and insight. As always, much appreciated. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The legalization of marijuana. This just released uh, by... Uh, The Canadian press, uh, the federal liberal government has finally launched its long-awaited effort to legalize recreational marijuana, setting in motion a host of sweeping policy changes for public safety and health across uh, Canada. Uh, a suite of bills which was uh, introduced by a series of ministers, the government news uh, released promises strict legal framework for the production, sale, distribution, and possession of pot and selling cannabis to a minor would be, uh, for the first time, become a specific criminal offense. So it appears that if you sell to kids, this is, this is it's going to get ugly. Uh, it also promises significant penalties for those who engage in uh, young Canadians in cannabis-related offenses. Uh, and a zero tolerance uh, zero tolerance approach to drug impaired driving. Uh, the legislation commits the federal government to additional investment for licensing, inspection, inspection and enforcement challenges and promises a robust public awareness campaign about the dangers of impaired driving. Uh, the bills are sure to come under heavy scrutiny in the coming weeks and months as Ottawa and the provinces and territories hash out the finer jurisdiction details of major issues like distribution, and law enforcement. All right, let's bring in Dan Malik, health sciences professor, Brock University, author of Try to Control Yourself, the Regulation of Public Drinking in Post-Prohibition, Ontario and When Good Drugs Go Bad, Opium Medicine and the Origin of Canada's Drug Laws. Dan Malik is with us now. Hello, Dan. How are you today? I'm
2: well, Scott. How are you doing?
0: Uh, very good, Dan. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Dan, this reminds me of when we were talking about uh, uh, beer being uh, allowed in for sale in grocery stores, that you know, all of a sudden it would be New Year's Eve and like nothing is any different today. Than it was the other day.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: is there anything out of this announcement you've heard that you didn't know was coming? Uh,
2: not really. I think that th- w- there was there was going to be some questions around the rhetoric about not selling, uh, keeping uh, marijuana out of the hands of of youth that we see in the legislation that you just mentioned about increasing the fines or the even jail time around people who do sell to you so so there are elements of that which is kind of nice to see that they could take um rhetoric from campaigning and turn it into policy i don't mm. I, I mean i don't know what it looks what the legislation looks like yet but um at least they're following through in that respect it wasn't just rhetoric but um yeah a lot of the rest seems fairly straightforward and still really looking forward to seeing some of the details because that's where it gets really interesting, the loopholes and stuff like that.
0: Uh, it seems that if you sell a pot to kids, it's going to be way stiffer than if you sell them cigarettes or alcohol.
2: Yeah, that's what uh, it sounds like. They're actually adding. I'm trying to remember what, I, what I've what i read. Um, jail time or million up to millions of dollars to, peop- to products that um, fines of up to million, of millions of dollars to find uh, pr- products that are made to appeal to children and um, I think it's a penalty of up to 14 years in jail for selling or giving cannabis to youth so there's those kind of very strict prohibitions on uh, cannabis uh, to children or to youth um, yeah so so that there's that element of it the, the two components both the advertising and the um
0: well, yeah, and you brought up advertising. Uh also it 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 appears that this is going to be in plain packaging um unlike cigarettes or, or alcohol. Um, manufacturers have complained that it doesn't allow them to uh, educate the consumer about their product. Is is that valid? It's I, I would say yes. Um
2: it's it's an interesting situation because probably the first people who are going to move to recreational legal recreational marijuana are people who know about it, but they, and they might also want to know what is in this product. I know about, you know, THC and I know about cannabinole, but um, what else is in this and, and sort of to make their own decisions, just like you go to the LCBO and you look at a bottle of something and you look at different components of it, like the alcohol, um, uh, um, the alcohol content. But um uh, those things will probably be allowed it 's just the advertise, the kind of advertising it 's the price right. that they 've been looking at for tobacco as well right and so the same argument i mean there 's this liberty this freedom argument for, for manufacturers if it 's a legal product, how come yeah. it has to be so restricted in the marketing of it? Not in the in the distribution. That's a whole different thing.
0: Uh, can you regulate the strength of the product? In alcohol, forty percent uh, alcohol is is the is the strongest um, liquor they will sell in in a, in a liquor store. Can you can you uh, regulate the strength of marijuana?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, they can test for a number of components. Um, THC being the, um, the 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 most psychoactive, the, the one that gives you the high, right? So. So those are the sorts of things you would probably see. And I think the uh, task force report did note that um, these sorts of things would have to be strictly laid out, just as you mentioned with the percentage alcohol. Um, So what can be permitted? And and it may be interesting to see if there's uh, different levels of access. I I don't know enough about the specific components of of um, marijuana, that, that it might be that in some cases you can get more. Just like when Prohibition ended, you could get beer and wine in hotels, but you could only get spirits in the stores, right? so right. they may have that kind of different layering.
0: Should the federal government uh, do more as far as regulation to leave the provinces out of it? So, in other words, should the uh, federal government? Well, basically, what they're what they're saying here is the age limit can't be uh, under eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, selling to uh, to minors, uh, drug driving, uh, that sort of thing. What about distribution? Because that's really uh, the contentious issue, certainly uh, amongst provinces. Why not just regulate all that? Why not just say, and here's how it's going to be sold?
2: It's, the, the problem with something like that is there's twofold. One is there could be constitutional challenges about the responsibilities of provinces over the responsibility of the federal government. The but federal how
0: government, do you get this much regulation and not that?
2: Well, because federal government has the responsibility of, of um, overseeing manufacturing and trade, right? So that's why we right. have um, different adulteration laws and those sorts of testing at that level. But when it comes to things like health, be it pharmacy or um, or things like liquor or things like regulating um, physicians, that's a provincial um, Uh, jurisdiction. Right. Um, But uh, but along with that, and I think more practically than just constitutional is regional variation in the sort of tolerance of one community over the other and one uh, region over the other and one province over the other. Right. So if you have a system in B.C. that's very different than a system in, say, Nova Scotia, for for distributing alcohol that means the community has a certain maybe tolerance or expectation of access to um, intoxicating substances right um, so it would be really tough for the the federal government to be able to impose um, that kind of level of restriction across the across the country and expect it to be able to be enforced evenly
0: across the country Uh, Where does this leave the provinces? Do they have the bigger challenge now trying to figure out distribution? Is what the federal government did easy compared to what the provinces are going to have to do?
2: Uh, It's really hard to say without seeing the legislation. Uh, All along, it seems that well, a number of the provinces have said, we want our liquor control boards to take this over. The task force said it should be uncoupled from the sale of liquor. It didn't say... Is that in this legislation at all? Um, I, my understanding is it is. Again, um, it's, I've been trying to get my hands on the actual documents yeah. since it dropped uh, a little afternoon. Um, but the reports are that, yes, that that is being maintained. Um, but that doesn't mean that the liquor control... Um, the government liquor control agencies wouldn't necessarily right. be involved in distribution. Right? Just not in the same building. Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, it sounds like the task force heard from a, a range of people saying uh, it shouldn't be together. In a sense, I, I guess that the rationale, and I don't get this argument, is that it might entice people who go for liquor to go and pick up some marijuana. Right, right. So uh, how does Kathleen Wynn
0: balance this? This is a government obviously in desperate need of cash right now. Uh, how do they balance using this as a revenue tool and and keeping it out of the
2: black market? Uh, well, I think, I mean, right now it's all in the black market, right? So, um, So creating a legal system of distribution will move a component of it out of the black market. So I guess what are you saying how do you create a system that doesn't then just f- um, filter stuff through legal channels into illegal channels?
0: Well, you, you know, you bring up a valid point. Um, do they want to keep it out of the black market or do they just want a piece of the black market, thinking if they get in on it, then, you know, less people will, be able to use, will think of using the black market. At least some will come to us, but we'll never eliminate it. I mean, is that the thing? Is that what they're trying to do or are they actually trying to eliminate it?
2: Well ideally um, uh, legalizing a substance with the right types of controls really reduces um, the appeal of the black market right because if it's if it 's legal for me to go and purchase something that was previously illegal. Um, within certain uh, restrictions, I'd probably more be inclined to do it. And this is what we saw after prohibitions. So a lot of people, they were willing to put up with the hyper-restrictive nature of both liquor stores and um, uh, public spaces for drinking because it was legal, and they'd rather do it that way than um, go and, and do this in an illegal way. Um, so there's that. The idea of getting a piece of the black market, well, I guess you could say that in, in a cynical way. Yeah, there's a market out there. We don't have our hands in it. Let's get into it. But the idea in government and in regulation like this is to get rid of that black market, right? So if you make something legal, there's less interest uh, in in um, the in the black market in, in for the consumer to go into the black market. And there's also less interest in people in the black market to um to continue to to sell that product because its value isn't going to be as high and and costs in um being a distributor being a you know in in selling this stuff is high when it's illegal right you have a whole bunch of other things you need to worry about from how you control your supply chain to getting around different legal um, restrictions you know across the borders or whatever right so So it makes it less appealing because the product is – it's a supply and demand thing. If I have good access to it, I don't need to pay the markup to the black market.
0: Hmm. Um, So will this eliminate the black market, do you think? Because I'm thinking of uh, cigarettes – uh, and you know we've had experts say on that say up to 30% of, of the cigarettes consumed are contraband. Yeah. So I mean that's still that's a third of the
2: market That's still a, 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 yeah. a huge portion of the market. Will we see that in this? There, I don't think you would ever get completely get rid of um, a black market. There's even you know there's a black market for liquor out there um, but um, the, the cigarette one is especially um, is a kind of a unique case because, There has been an attempt at some sort of pseudo-prohibition through very high taxation, right? And so, when you jack up the price of something again, that opens up a that, that makes an opening for the black market because they might be able to provide it cheaper, right? Without all those taxes on it. So that's what happened with tobacco. If cannabis were legalized and then they threw huge sin taxes on it that would just completely be a waste of everyone's time because the, the black market is already there and would continue to thrive, right? So, it, so that's kind of the, the balancing act. I wouldn't even say it's a tightrope. It's a fairly wide, it's like one of those balancing beams, right? Because it's relatively easy to walk between high, too high of taxation and excise taxes and all of that stuff and a price that's, that's low enough to deter people from going to. Um, the black market uh,
0: many uh, uh, we've had uh, many experts on regard to contraband tobacco mm-hmm. uh, the vast majority of that produced on reserves uh-huh. uh, will reserves get into this does do they have the same rights there with
2: marijuana as they do with tobacco well definitely um, there's a certain uh, exemption from taxation a certain federal taxations that um, indigenous people indigenous communities have um, but that is I guess one of the reasons that tobacco is is flows through those communities sometimes is that um, there's such high federal taxation on it, right So whether that would happen, through those communities is uh, I mean it's just like I guess what I'm asking
0: I guess what I'm asking is do the same rights do they have the same rights over marijuana as they would with tobacco because obviously you know they've had the freedom to do uh, with tobacco as they please on the reserve for an awfully long time with those same rules and regulations because I guess you smoke it does that apply to to, yeah. to, to marijuana
2: no but the 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 rules around tobacco aren't just about the product it's also about the taxation right and that's that's what I'm talking about is that legally, uh, Native people can access tobacco um, through various channels without um, be, having to pay those taxes, Right. but uh, a non-Native person cannot. Right. So all of that sale from reserves to people who are not part of that community, um, do not have that legal status, will is is illegal. So it's, a, it's about the taxation. Right. So
0: I, I guess it. my question is, do those same taxation rules apply that they, apply for tobacco apply yeah, they, to
2: marijuana. They would, but what I'm saying is that part of the, the appeal of tobacco as a contraband is that the taxation is so high. Right. right? But why wouldn't we see the same thing in marijuana?
0: Um, because, like, are, are we going to have less tax on marijuana than we do on cigarettes? Probably, because...
2: The, really? It, well, remember, the the goal of this law is to make it legal. Mm-hmm. The, the goal of tax tobacco taxes is to make it less appealing for people if you make something legal and then make it unappealing to purchase legally then you've failed (laughs) right but with tobacco uh, the i i I don't know the rationale behind um governments who want to keep the tobacco taxes high when they see contraband but at least what's happening is it's also seeing a, a decline in general in tobacco um, smoking. Right. So in cannabis they want people, if you're going to smoke it, smoke it legally, but to smoke it legally you have to keep the taxes low enough that people are going to, that it's going to be worth their while um, both practically and economically to buy it um, legally as opposed to illegally.
0: So if you're the government of Ontario right now, if you're Kathleen Wynne, how are you, how are you looking at this?
2: Um, I, this is going to be a very complicated uh, dance to to dance. Um, they, I know that um, both the Ontario and Quebec governments are, are looking at this because of, I imagine, because of the, po- the size of the population, the, the nature of the cross-border traffic um, between Quebec and Ontario that we've also talked at times about with alcohol. Um, I think that, that it's a promise, but it's uh, there, there is definitely going to be a revenue generation happening here, but it's it's going to be a very tricky um, Regulatory system to put in place, because there are already some legal producers and there are non legal producers who will want to become legal producers, and the distribution system can be through the uh, through the mail and via the internet, but also maybe storefront so it's go- it has a lot more moving pieces than um, I would say, than liquor did, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 years ago.
0: Uh, I'd like to ask you your opinion on this, Uh but in my opinion, Ontario has the most archaic liquor laws of any of the provinces. I might Uh be wrong there. Um, I'm sure you can pull something out that says, you know, some sort of contradicting fact. Will we see the same thing with this? Will we be... Will we be a, a, as far ahead on this as we are on renewable energy <laughs> or, or as yeah. far as
2: Alberta is
0: with with liquor
2: it, yeah that's a that's a good question it's tough to say I think that one of the reasons we have archaic liquor laws is because there hasn't been enough um, reason to, uh, to to get rid of them it, from the government standpoint uh, I but also our archaic liquor laws are relics of a of the 1920s and 1930s when there was such fear around alcohol. Um, I don't know if there's the same level of fear around cannabis that would create the types of controls, but also there's been 90 years of learning.
0: And that's what I was going to say. Is that because alcohol was first? Uh,
2: It it could be. But alcohol also had about 100 years of intense fear and uh, scrutiny around the types of Problems associated with alcohol, and there's a reason for that. We could get into another time. It wasn't completely illeg- illegitimate. Um, whereas now, I think cannabis, because it's there's been such a gradual move towards legitimization through medical marijuana and through the look, uh, looking at the, the the types of risks that really aren't there around smoking cannabis, that I don't think we'll have as strict policies at first. But I I do think that they will be less strict. At, at first, then they will be, say, 10 years down the road as um, people get used to it and as the government sort of shakes down the, the, the type of rules. I don't mean shake down in a yeah. Kind of yeah extracting money way, but in kind of sorting out.
0: The so game. this all has to be in play, Dan, by the summer of 2017, doesn't it? Sorry, 2018.
2: 2018 yeah, yeah. The idea of like, I mean, by that, I
0: mean the distribution, like the province, every all the provinces have to have their ducks in a row by then.
2: Seems that way. Yeah. Now, the 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 the, um, the good part of it is that there is already a distribution system, right? It's through the medical marijuana um, distributors who I am sure are sitting there rubbing their hands saying, OK, yeah. if we can get into the recreational um, system. We can get out, maybe get out of the um, incredibly complex and ever changing regulatory system that Health Canada has created for medical marijuana um so there's already a system there there are lots of producers there legal and illegal there's lots of storefront operations that could probably get, as we've seen get up and running within a few days right yeah, yeah. um so it but it is i know that there have been there has already been talk within regulatory um agencies about making sure that being ready for cannabis is what they've been saying. We've so been let me ready. ask
0: you this, Dan, and we've oh. only got like 30 seconds oh. left. Um, we we joked about uh, how life would be different once this uh, beer finally got in liquor stores in you know I've yet to even see it because I haven't been in one <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yeah. But will we see a more wholesale change in life once this happens next summer?
2: I doubt it. There will definitely be more visibility around cannabis, but I don't think that we'll see a huge uptick in people consuming it, Um, possibly because it's generally smoked and there are a lot of people who don't care to smoke things, Um, but also because there's a lot of people who already do it at home Mm. on their own and, and no one really gives them trouble. There will be more stories of problems. There will be more sort of histrionic, kind of panicky kind of stories out there. But um, that is what is going, that's why it's an optics game, right? That's why Mm. negotiating these sorts of the the, the different images and stories, and that is what's going to have to happen over the next couple of years. But no, I don't think it's going to be suddenly a a completely weed wasted wonderland.
0: Dan Malik has been with us, health sciences professor Brock University. Dan, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Cheers, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The legislation from the feds came down in regard to legalization of marijuana. Uh, some of the highlights include uh, there's a suite of bills here. Sales will be restricted to those 18 and older, although that can be raised by the provinces uh those 18 and older allowed to possess up to 30 grams uh sale by mail uh or courier through federally licensed producers will be allowed in provinces that lack a regulated uh retail system which is obviously the pressure on the provinces now to come up with that um allowed to grow up to four plants for each residence as long as they're less than a meter in height also be allowed to produce legal cannabis products such as food drinks for personal use Uh, At first, sales will entail only fresh and dried cannabis and we'll get into edibles later. Possession, production, distribution outside the legal system would remain illegal, uh, as would imports or exports without a federal permit. Uh, Travelers entering Canada would still be subject to inspections for prohibited goods, including cannabis, so you can't bring it into the country uh, from the United States. That being said, what happens when you leave? It's going to be interesting to see how this is handled Uh, When you're crossing into the United States, who maybe don't have the same, uh, not in all states anyway, some of the same laws that uh, we do. Uh, The existing program uh, for access to medical marijuana would continue in its current form. All right, to talk more about all of this, Jody Emery is with us. Uh, Her and her husband, of course, have been advocates. Her and her husband, Mark, have been advocates uh, for this for an awfully long time. They're the owner of Cannabis Culture. And Jody is with us now. Hello, Jody. How are you today?
3: Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Your thoughts today? Good? Do you feel good about this?
3: No, not really. I should feel vindicated after spending 13 years devoted to legalization and running with the Liberals to be a candidate promoting legalization. But what we've seen today is the introduction of a new form of prohibition. Uh, I'm actually quite distressed about some of the details that we've seen, and I believe we're in for a few more years of... A lot of harm to canadians at a big cost as well
0: uh first of all let's go back to vindicated why not feel vindicated after all you and your husband have been through and and so on and so forth and and involvements with the law and such uh how does that make you feel now that we are where we are where we're at
3: well i feel good about the fact that everyone agrees marijuana is Uh, substance that should be legal the reason legalization is happening is because the public demands it that's the only reason government ever does anything is to either you know appease their friends and donors or because the public demand has become too much that they cannot ignore it that's why the Liberals adopted legalization in January of 2012 because everybody agreed that millions of Canadians are criminalized by a law that makes them criminals even though they're law-abiding otherwise that hundreds of millions of tax dollars are spent in forcing the law for police to go after people for possession, for growing and selling. That money should be going to health care instead. Uh, we agreed that legalization means prohibition has failed. But now that the Liberal government is elected, they were lobbied by the police. Who see prohibition as a big cash cow, and they've been convinced that they need to maintain prohibition. Now we've seen these rules introduced, and they include tougher penalties: life in prison, fourteen years in prison. These are enormous. But that, that's that,
0: that's like that's though. If you're selling it to kids and stuff, isn't it?
3: Well, nobody's really selling to kids. That's the other fallacy. In fact, the government. Well, if nobody abstain- sell
0: if nobody's selling for kids, Jody, then why do we have to worry about if the laws that severe?
3: Well, let's try and to find what a kid is. If we're trying to Anybody under the age
0: it. of 18 years of age
3: I'd say a 17-year-old's not a kid. They're a teenager. I think you're a kid until you hit Yeah, but you, have to, draw, you, have, to,
0: you have to draw the line somewhere. It's like right. a driver's license, Jody. Right, we need to Jody. draw a
3: line. Yes, we do. And the age of consent in Canada is 16. The Senate of Canada studied marijuana for many years and released a report in 2001 and said 16 years old should be the age for marijuana because it's far safer than alcohol and tobacco and pharmaceuticals. And that but you can't, buy,
0: you can't buy alcohol at 16, Jody.
3: No, I know, I know. So why shouldn't, and
0: again, I I don't mean to to, to be badgering you here if it sounds that way, but it's just why shouldn't this be the same as alcohol?
3: Alcohol is deadly, it kills people, it contributes to rape, assault, murder, and death every single minute of every day. Marijuana does not. Marijuana is far safer. But what you're seeing is after decades of government reefer madness and prohibition hysteria, You're seeing that the government does not want to acknowledge that marijuana prohibition is a bad policy. They want to maintain that. They want to maintain the law enforcement and everything else that goes with it while calling it legalization. But who benefits from this? If everybody's still getting arrested and everything remains the same... Well,
0: everybody's not, not, Jody, Jody, everybody's not getting arrested. Like, you're 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 exaggerating. Everybody's not getting arrested. Those who don't follow the rules will get arrested.
3: Well, guess who gets to follow the rules? A few stock market profiteers and friends of the government. You see former premiers and law enforcement. So you don't think there should be any
0: regulation here at all?
3: No, I do believe in regulation. I believe in reasonable regulation. So what what would you like to see, Jody? I would like to see Marijuana Removed from the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. You know, the marijuana industry already exists, and Justice Department statistics say 95% of marijuana growers are law-abiding citizens with no connection to organized crime. So when you're saying that all of these marijuana growers and users and sellers are criminals, that's only because the government defines them as such. The same thing would happen to everyone who owns a cafe if they banned coffee tomorrow. So these Canadians who are criminals right now are only criminals by definition of the law. They're not hurting people. They're not killing people. They're not forcing marijuana down the throats of children. What we're seeing is the government trying to restrict and limit access to marijuana, even though they push opioids and other drugs on the public. And they're trying to make people afraid of marijuana so the police can maintain their budgets. So doctors can continue to make everyone afraid and encourage them to take pharmaceuticals instead. And the other beneficiaries are the licensed producers. So what would you like? To, what,
0: what would you like to see, Jody? If, if you were like if you see, were drawing up the laws, give us five or six laws that you'd like to replace these ones with.
3: I would like marijuana to be treated like coffee. Coffee is an addictive stimulant drug that eighty percent of the population can't go through the day without using. So, in
0: other coffee words, what that so what so hang on, so what that means is anyone can sell it, anyone can buy it.
3: You should be able to go and get a license to sell marijuana, just like you can go open a bar or a coffee shop or a corner store that sells cigarettes. So you're talking <laughs> about the, so
0: you're talking about the distribution at this point, right?
3: Well, of course, and production should be allowed as well. Remember, the reason everyone agreed that legalization should happen is because this industry already exists. People are already growing it and selling it, and they're not shooting each other in the streets over it. Everybody knows someone who uses marijuana, and everybody who uses it knows someone who sells it or grows it. But those people are only criminals because the law defines them as such. So, in other words, so what
0: you're saying is, it, it, well, what's happening here is an industry is created. Somebody's producing it, somebody's selling it, somebody's buying it as with anything in in our society that has to be regulated and or and taxed so it should
3: be reasonably regulated and it should be taxed just like so the you don't code. think it so
0: you don't think it's reasonable for them to start with this by restri- by putting the restrictions on that they are
3: I believe their legislation is designed to appease the conservatives and the people that well, of course it like is, the... Jody. We
0: live in a society right. where everyone gets to say it's a domestic. You know, we we live in a democracy here, and there's as many people voting for it as against it right now. There's a lot of people that are unhappy about this, Jody. Let's not let's not ignore that. And, well, and, 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 I, and I'm not and I'm and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know pee in your Cheerios here or anything. It's just that this is a very very. It's not as cut and dry as you say. There's some people that are very very still very very concerned about this.
3: And the reason they're very very concerned is because. Of of a multi-decade-long, multi-million-dollar government misinformation campaign. No wonder people are scared. You've got the Liberals going across the country, Bill Blair going across. Afraid, yeah, but you, uh, Jody, Jody,
0: with all due respect, Jody, you seem to be as extreme in the other direction as you say the government is in the opposite direction like where's okay. the middle ground i think i think canadians are happy with the middle ground here you, you know you're saying free for all for everybody they're saying you can have it but there's going to be restrictions i think well, i think canadians are sitting somewhere in the middle on this aren't they
3: no doubt they are but they need to hear both versions when they're hearing all of these lies from the government all of this fear designed to continue prohibitionist regulations
0: they need what, to hear what sort of lie what sort of lies are we hearing from the government joey
3: well, when they say that marijuana results in more car crashes, it doesn't. It actually does not. The statistics I've, never the heard, States... I've
0: never heard anybody, any government uh, officials say that there's more car crashes from marijuana than anything. I've never heard Well,
3: that. I, I've heard a lot of things. I mean, can I've
0: marijuana heard... contribute to it? Anytime you get somebody impaired behind the wheel of a car through anything, you're going to have an issue. And you can't ignore right. that.
3: But we don't have the government looking to introduce 14 years in jail if you drive a car after taking medicine that says do not operate heavy machinery or vehicles after use. Where's the test for the pharmaceutical users who are driving out there every nope, day No, that's pills? about
0: that's a valid point, as is with alcohol. I mean, if, does that mean we're strengthening the we laws have- for, for, for drinking and driving?
3: We already have laws about impaired driving. If you're impaired, it means you're driving unsafely, and impairment is proven by performance. Whether you're texting on your phone or you're angry or sleep-deprived or taking medications from a pharmacy, those things can affect your driving. But the United States Transportation Authority concluded that marijuana does not increase the risk of arrest. So what you're seeing right now are police looking to continue to receive budget and enforcement dollars to go after people for pot—it's a witch hunt against.
0: Arizona. I don't know. You know what? I think if you, you know, I, I think if you asked any police officer if they would want to take pot out of the mix, they would in a nanosecond because it just wastes their time. And this whole conspiracy about generating revenue for the police—are you kidding me? It's exhausting the resources of police. It's not giving the money; they're losing money on it. Uh, well, that should... being said, that being said, uh, Jody, do you mind taking a couple of calls? See what we get here. Oh uh, sure. All right, and and again, I'm like you know, I, I'm 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 trying to be in the middle on this. I'm not on either side. I'm trying to be in the middle on this. Uh, all right, let's take a call here. All right, uh Chris is on the line. Uh, Chris, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Uh, are you? Uh, what are your thoughts about what Jody has been saying and uh, the legalization?
4: Oh hi, Scott and Jody. Um, I'm weighing in from a parent's perspective. I am a member of APSCO, which is the association. Of parents, support groups of Ontario. We are dealing with young adults and teenagers um, who have a lot of difficulties because they are addicted to pot. They have sudden anxiety. But I know Krista. I know
0: Krista Jody's going to tell you right now that pot's not an addictive drug.
4: Well, unfortunately, the statistics from our perspective on the ground are saying otherwise.
0: It may be, so what you're saying is it's a behavioral-addicted drug, not a chemically-addictive drug? Because it's not a chemically-addictive drug. It's a behavioral-addicted ad- drug, but it's not a, it's not a, um, uh, uh, a drug that's chemically-addictive.
4: Okay. Regardless, we still have teenagers addicted to it who can't get up for school, who cannot concentrate, who cannot function socially, and they have become dependent upon this, which should not be in their hands, and they're actually dealing it. These are kids who are having such a difficult time in life, um, and it has become rampant. There's not a lot of solutions through family physicians. Law enforcement can only intervene to take it away, to caution, uh, etc. But all the laws in the world that deal with adults, whether they are for alcohol or any other substance.
0: All right, uh, we've, just, we've just lost Krista. Uh, Jody, what are your thoughts? Uh, I know you heard the first part of the call in regard to uh, kids and, and these kids that uh, uh, Krista had said had become addicted. Your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I just don't believe that they're really having that many problems. But it's kind of like, you know, you ask a prison guard, About people, they say, well, everyone I deal with is a criminal. Well, of course, that's where you're working.
0: Yeah, but she's. People uh who
3: work with kids and with addiction, of course, they're going to say there's addiction problems. But as you noted, it's not chemically addictive, it's only habit forming. And I would argue that young people who are hooked on junk food and on video games and on cell phones, these young people are actually being hurt too, and demonstrably so, whereas, no real, there aren't that many kids smoking pot, this fear, I understand it. I understand why parents are scared. They're scared of everything. They don't want their kids drinking or having sex or doing anything dangerous. So we have to take that with a grain of salt because no no doubt, parents are definitely scared. But for any mother of a teenager, I guarantee that you would prefer they go to a party and have a joint and come home safe rather than getting drunk Then getting a criminal record, which denies them their scholarship, their right to travel, job opportunities, volunteer opportunities. If you get arrested for pot as a teenager, you have a life sentence of second-class citizenship. So when these parents get concerned about marijuana, they should be far more concerned about the alcohol and pharmaceuticals that are actually hurting and killing teenagers, rather than marijuana, which is a safer choice if anyone chooses to imbibe some sort of substance.
0: So, uh, and I think I already know this question. A question from Rick. Should we deregulate alcohol the same? You said no because you think alcohol is more severe than, than marijuana.
3: Absolutely. Alcohol actually hurts people and kills people. So do cigarettes. Those are dangerous substances. They should probably have sin taxes and all the rest. But marijuana is a safer alternative. That's just demonstrably true. The evidence shows it. So I believe in normalizing cannabis and providing it as an alternative rather than forcing people to turn to alcohol and legal drugs that the government profits from.
0: So you said, Jody, that it should be regulated. There should be rules. What should those rules be? Because at one point you said that, but then you said it should be like coffee.
3: Well, if you want to open a cafe or you want to make coffee beans or even a craft brewery, for example, that's reasonable to get into. But marijuana legislation right now, the rules for production, require that you not have a criminal record. So basically anybody who's been a victim of prohibition is not even allowed to participate in the legal industry. We have to open it up to all of those Canadians who have been involved and who have suffered for it. it I, look at, I look at models like... Um, farmers markets for example we don't over regulate those vegetables we don't have health canada inspectors examining every carrot and vial of honey we just anticipate that those people are following the rules that are out there for producing a consumable for adults so those are the kind of regulations we should have where we treat cannabis like what it is it's a plant it's produce it might be intoxicating for some but for the vast majority of regular users it's just the equivalent of a glass of wine. You relax and you smile. So we shouldn't be having these new rules designed to scare people and to limit and restrict access when, again, it's a safer alternative to all the other products out there and I believe as a cannabis advocate that we should be normalizing it and looking at what it really is not what the government has scared us about for all these years.
0: Can't you see Jody though from where we have come and, and you and your husband Mark know that you've been a you've been victim of, victimized of that a victim of that uh, compared to where we've come is this not a good first step?
3: It's a good first step I believe in incrementalism but it's an awful shame that we have to continue criminalizing so many people in our slow march towards actual legalization. I understand that it takes different steps, but I really wish the government wouldn't be so cowardly. They should be taking a courageous stance. Unfortunately, they're caving in to fears, and I, I'm very sorry to see that. Now, I need to take this other... I need to take this other call. Thank you so much for your No, time. you go ahead. You go ahead, Jody. We
0: understand it. Thank, Thank you for you your time. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, we've uh, taken Jody uh, longer than we should have there. Uh, Jody Emery has been with us, owner of Cannabis Culture and uh, political uh, activist, her husband Mark, all over the television right now. So obviously, uh, she's booked up uh, with lots and lots of, uh, of calls and people that want to talk to her. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.